HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Samuel Adams, Brewing the American Dream. Hear stories from their inspiring entrepreneurs on Let's Talk About Food, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I believe that today's guest was brought here by Destiny. Eight years ago, I got their restaurant logo tattooed on my arm, three years before they opened. We've both owned and operated mobile food businesses, albeit theirs has outlasted our six-month stint in a fortunately much more successful way. And lastly, they're a partner-led business that both met in restaurants. Aww, yeah, from one partner-led business to another. So we're joined here today with Jordan Rubin, who is the co-owner and a crispy guy and chef owner of Mr. Tuna and forthcoming Bar Puto in Portland, Maine, as well as Marissa, who is the co-owner and director of operations at Portland, Maine's Mr. Tuna and the forthcoming Bar Puto. And we also have Ian Driscoll here, who will be the CDC of the new spot called Bar Puto, which is opening soon. Hence the title. Soonish. Um, Welcome. We're so excited to have you all here. Thanks for coming down oh to God. see us. Thanks for having us. Also, one of our first in person podcasts in a little while. No? Yeah, it's been a month or two. Yeah. Oh, wow. This latest it's COVID wave. Yeah. yeah. It's always more fun to do them in person. Yeah. Plus, we got our excuse to come to the city. Come to the yes. city. Yeah. Hang out. Come to Brooklyn. Yeah. Hang you guys out. are really expanding. So, we, this is our third concept. Our third concept, your third concept. I'm not involved at all. <laughs> Number um, six for the tattoo. Except, except, except for the logo. Love that. Um, so tell me about uh, Barfudo, what it is, um, where it came from, concept us. So Barfudo is, um, it's, it's kind of like an ezekaya, uh, super heavy focus on uh, the, the open flame cooking cooking uh, on Japanese coals. Um, so that's going to be a huge part of it. You know, definitely some seafood. We're going to do some whole grilled fish, some, some larger cuts of meat, maybe some steaks, and some like large pork chops. Uh, Lots of skewers. Yeah, tons of skewers. We're going to have, you know, pretty, pretty extensive sake list, especially for, for Maine. It's, uh, there's not a lot of sake and we want to bring more sake to, Maine and to Portland and uh, a friend of ours, Alyssa Makiko is helping us uh, with the with the list. She has her sake bar, the first sake bar in Boston. Koji Club. Yeah, Koji Club. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, some Japanese cocktails, Japanese inspired cocktails. Um, and, you know, Ian's going to be running the kitchen. It's a concept that we've kind of been working on for a while now. How long has it been in, in process? A couple of years. Yeah. I think we've just been talking about it like loosely and then like we had some projects come down the line and it just kind of naturally just evolved for us. When did you guys find the space? We found this, we signed the lease in February oh, uh, so and we were kind of negotiating for a month or two. So yeah, probably like late December, early January, we actually started talking to the landlord and 
took us a minute to work out some of the details, but we signed in, June, uh, in February. Was it, it, sorry to, was it a former restaurant space as well? Or? It was a Five Guys. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Um, five Guys is a Kaya. Yeah. I like it. So it had the bones, you know, it had good bones, but obviously it was... and like, right? Yeah. Definitely. Lots of fryers. Set fryers, flat tops. Like what, None of the equipment were there. No, they took everything out. The only thing that was there was the hood. Actually, this is a big, you know, long story, but they, they removed all the ductwork. No, the why? Uh, well, five they, guys did when they left. Not five guys, actually. The landlord? The, the landlord. So they, it's, uh, the restaurant is under a parking garage. So the whole parking garage got uh, like a facelift. Uh, during COVID, so for about two years, they've been working on that parking garage. And when they did, they ripped out all the ductwork, the fan. So, so you have a vent that goes to nowhere. Yeah, just a vent that goes to nowhere. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we we knew that, but we didn't know exactly how much ductwork that needed to be done until we really got into it. So now you have to put it all. You had to put it all back in. Well, we had to put it in, but it used to go to the roof. Uh, and now we had to run it through the inside of the parking garage about, I'd say, close to like 100 yards of it. It's in both directions it has to go. Because you, you're cooking with live fire, I assume, if you're going for this. Right. Yeah. And we needed a special, special duct <laughs> and a separate fan. Because okay. in, I don't know about here, but in, in Maine, you can't have open fire under the same hood as as gas Interesting. Um, so you know one we luckily there's two hoods one hood is just for the gas equipment the other hood is all the the charcoal equipment makes sense i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily know if that's true here but i would imagine it is but i also imagine that people probably skate by it in different oh, yeah. ways i think most right? people do and probably uh, hard though if your concept is yeah, there was a, it was hard to, to hide it. We're like, right. you know, this is a grill restaurant. Like, right. oh, okay, well, you're going to be grilling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. All right, so you got the duck work in. Yeah. And then where are we? Tell us where we are now. I know you're not open <sighs> yet, and the TBD is pretty, is like in all caps. Yeah, we're waiting on uh, our final permitting from the city, which has been a huge struggle for a lot of people. You know, it used to be, let's say, like, Two years ago, two weeks for start to finish for the process and some for people, permitting. Yeah, wow, that's, that's fast. Yeah, to get the actual permit, you know, right. um, you know the re- you know you have to do all the work and then they have to do their final inspections before you can open. But the the process is now you know gone to like a thirteen to sixteen week. Wow. From two. Why months. is that? It's it's funny because a lot of people we've had on the show is like, oh, the permitting process actually got better during COVID because people are doing things online. So you're one of the first guests that this has started that's had the reverse experience. I'm curious. So during COVID, like during the first two years of COVID, it actually was, it was easier. You could send pictures or send a video of the plumbing and they could approve it like that. Yeah, you could upload everything online. They've taken away all these benefits um, the city uh, has taken away and they're they're still extremely short staffed so you know the effects of covid are still there you know the there's you know people are getting sick or they just don't have the people to review all these plans and they told me that they're getting 80 to 100 applications per week and they have two wow. people that review them one of them's new and the other you know the other one's at least when we started they were on vacation when you started, which was when? Uh, we started the application process in May. And they were, and they're still on vacation. Yeah, and they're on vacation. <laughs> like, you know. Do you feel that's a, that's a big number? Do you feel that as a consumer in Portland that there are like restaurants popping up everywhere? Do they not, have so many applications, or is it I, just, they're not all uh, restaurants? I think a lot of them is just building. There's a lot of it. like development going on. There's a lot of condos going in. There's a lot of big right. big buildings going on, like big for Portland. Uh, being built right now but they you know we've we write emails we call the city and it's been working a little bit we've been able to bump ourselves up in the list a little because they want to help small businesses rather than some of these large companies that you know so they they are like somewhat prioritizing some small businesses which is nice are expediters a thing where you guys are 
There's no expires. You can ask them to expedite it. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah. just like basically you just send a nice letter and hope well, for the yeah. best. It's nice. Bring some cookies, bring yeah. some hand rolls. Yeah. Much. yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, please help us. You know, we are paying rent. You know, we're, we're losing money. It's kind of like a, is it the restaurant's totally sob, ready to go sob otherwise. story. It's just yeah. like, please, please help for us. For the most part. Yeah. But you're also, I imagine Portland is somewhat of a seasonal area center or no it's pretty seasonal i mean we get pretty busy the, in the summer, right so like, oh, yeah you know we stay open year-round but the numbers are drastically different between right. the dead of the winter and the height of the summer it's probably i mean some weeks could be 10 times busier you know mm. right so tell us a little bit about this specific concept is so you have three locations and this specific concept just from like my peeking around online there isn't a ton yet obviously um but it seems like it's your most ambitious yet, the biggest and oh yeah, oh yeah, we're going all in. I you're mean, going we're, <laughs> you're going hard. Yeah, we're you know spending more money than we've ever spent. We're you know a lot of the stuff we did in the past, we just kind of did it ourselves. You know, we didn't hire professionals, and we have a designer we're working, yeah. an architectural designer. I'm really excited to be working with. She's super talented. So you know, before we kind of did the interiors ourselves or did our our best with it at yeah, least. Like the Mr. Tuna logo, like a buddy of mine drew that. Yeah. And now we actually have like a, like a design company doing, doing stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely the biggest and most ambitious thing we've ever done, which is pretty scary because, you know. It's terrifying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally terrifying. And so, t- so it sounds like you spent more money on this project. You, you yeah. know, it sounds like you did a lot of things differently from crispy guy and Mr. Tuna. How, Tell us about, like, financing this project versus the other ones. Uh, well, Mr. Tuna started with, like, uh, oh, like a loan. I don't even know if it was a loan, but my mom gave me, like, a thousand bucks. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, you know. I, I think put in, like, 2000 th- Yeah, like, Marissa put in some money, and I, I, t- I emptied out my bank account. Like, basically, we just. Well, we got a hot dog cart. Yeah, it was Let's a hot started. dog cart. It wasn't a restaurant. It was. A cooler. You know, we probably all in was less than $5,000 to get Mr. Tuna off the ground with all the permitting and, the, you know, the, even the food for the, for the opening day. That's pretty impressive. Um, pretty impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, every, Mr. Tuna is constantly, we've just been expanding it a little bit at a time. So we never really. You know, we never had to take a loan out for Mr. Tuna. We always just use. Does mom the... get paid back? No. <laughs> <laughs> does mom eat for sorry, free? Sorry. Mom does eat for free, but she doesn't really eat sushi. So. Oh no. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. But yeah, she can she can come to Crispy Guy. I'll so just so everybody knows, t- tell me the lineage of of the business. It's Mr. Tuna is the hot dog cart. Come sushi. Come sushi. Truck right, starting hot dog cart, then, well, it was first the cart, then the market, which is our brick and mortar, right. the public market house, uh, and then we upgraded from the carts to these trailers, which is way So the, the original cart is gone, or it's been stored um, somewhere? I sold it in America. Trying okay. to get it out of there. Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's not the original. The original we is have, gone. We got a couple. We had four okay. of them. There's We're down to one. one. Uh, these guys had an oyster, like a mobile oyster business, bought the other three. Okay. Um, so we still have it just in case. You never know when you need like to get into like a like small space. Yeah. Something could be fun. Yeah. So yeah. you're holding on to that one. So it's not for sale, people. It's so going in the, emailing about. It's going in the Mr. Tuna Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so cart and then the counter, the counter market and then cart gets upgraded to a truck. To and trailers. And then you add yeah. how many trailers? We have three, have three total now. Okay. And then Crispy Guy and comes. Then Crispy and, now, Guy. and how long ago was Crispy Guy? Crispy Guy. Last summer. Well, it started, Crispy Guy started in the public market house as like a pop-up. Okay. So we, me and, me and my buddy right. Kyle, who's like my partner and the chef at Crispy Guy, uh, we just like, you know, he, he came back from Thailand. He was living there for a while and he wanted to do something. And we would just, you know, talk, you know, like daydreaming oh we could do this you know we could do that and we you know he made some like chicken for me at the market one night or for a bunch of us and i was like holy shit that's so good (laughs) we should you know we should turn this into a restaurant that's how it started and you know yeah we we just started doing like one night pop-up at we did it at our buddy's restaurant the high rollers we like one night you know fried chicken it was just like chicken in the beginning it was just chicken wings and 
chicken buck, sandwiches. Buckets and sandwiches. It was just fried chicken. Maybe I think we had the cabbage salad. And uh, then that turned into like two nights a week, then three nights a week, and then and we were it was all pre-order. It was during COVID, and we were selling out in like you know thirty minutes. We put it up, thirty minutes later, all gone. So we we knew we had something special, and at one minute we were just like, okay, do we? What do we want to do from here? And we just started looking for spaces, and it was like in the dead dead center of COVID. But yeah, we did it. So. Did you get a good deal on the space that you got for Crispy Guy because it was in the middle of COVID, or was it? So it's your site. You have two COVID openings, basically. Yeah. yeah, I think we got a good deal. I mean, I definitely used the uh, used COVID to to bargain a little and just be like, you know, we don't we don't know what's gonna happen, and you know, yeah, next year, two years, and you know, I use that to get the price of rent down a little bit and mm-hmm. get a little, you know little money from the landlord to help us with the floors and stuff but yeah i I think we got it i mean the location's great and it came with a full basement so we're not we're only paying for the like the ground floor and the basement was kind of like free it's like an extra 1500 square feet yeah is everything financed essentially from the initial five thousand that you put into the first truck have you built it off the business or have have there been partners no part, uh, no financial partners. Um, we use, well, we use Mr. Tuna as kind of for the bank as a collateral. collateral. Yeah. yeah. So like in case you know shit went south, they could just you know take, take Mr. Tuna. <laughs> yeah. Um, Love the way collateral works. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty confident. So, yeah. <laughs> scary, so, scary notion though, and, and certainly yeah. As, oh yeah. You know. So they yeah, I mean they. They used that, and I had to put in 20%, and then we used money from Mr. Tuna to put in 20% to get the the, the loan. Is right. like an SBA loan. Right. And that's for Crispy Guy and for? And for Barfudo, yeah. So, we yeah, we did the same same loan, but just for more money. Right. <laughs> new one. That's pretty that's impressive, impressive that you, that's, I of, mean, yeah. kudos to you guys. That's really hard to do, and... Yeah. Uh, I think you're the first ones we've ever had on the show who's been like, I took $5,000 and parlayed it into probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. Five and, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> five restaurants into loans and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge feat. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what well, all the money goes into that. I mean, if you looked at my personal bank account, <laughs> like, uh, you own restaurants? Like, yeah. Like, uh, no money in there. So. <laughs> you got a lot of assets, though. It's yeah, assets. Yeah, though, yeah. assets. Yeah. yeah, that's really incredible. So... It sounds like you're doing a lot of things differently this time with Barfuto. Um, from DIY to professional designers, tell us a little bit about this journey and how it's been better, how it's been more stressful, all the good all the good things. Ooh, Ian's man. face just went, ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm in. Working with a designer has been great because, you know, she, she might choose, like, finishes or materials that I would never think to work with. So it's kind of stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit mm-hmm. and... A little going into the unknown, but she's really great. She's super talented. Her name is Carrie. Um, yeah, she's doing most of our food. We're doing it together. Mr. Tuna was easy. I mean, we kind of just like went with our colors, just like blue and white, lots of natural wood. Yeah, the tuna um, dude. We just Mr. Tuna is just like everywhere. We're just like ah, throw, throw Mr. Tuna on everything. <laughs> People love the logo, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, having designers nice. She also gets like trade discounts, which is cool. Yes, that's a great. What else with Barfudo? I mean, there's been a lot of... Bigger team. Yeah. I mean, we're hiring for a lot more positions, bigger managerial roles. Right. You know, the, the goal here is to kind of hopefully get it to a point where it's running, where we can step back a little bit more. You know, we have Ian as the chef. We hired a great general manager. Um, so we don't have to be, like, as involved. In Are you guys everything. in the day-to-day with... Crispy guy and with uh, Mr. Tuna right now. With Mr. Tuna, Mr. Tuna we are. I feel yeah, like I'm yeah. never really able yeah, to we'll step away from Mr. There. Tuna. I mean, like a little bit, and then I'll just get sucked back in. Why is that? Because it's different kind of staffing, or is uh, it... just because sushi is so specialized, and there's not mm. a ton of sushi people, like chefs, su- uh, yeah. people with sushi experience in Maine. It's really hard to find, and we've basically just trained everyone from scratch. You know, a lot of the guys we have are like seasoned cooks or chefs they've run restaurants 
right. but they've never made sushi, and it's a whole it's a whole other animal. So that's been tough, just finding finding people and you know holding on to them because a lot of also people that have been cooking in hot kitchens, you know, they it might not be their passion to work right. at a sushi. You come bar. and learn it. Yeah. Feel like they sort of mastered it and then say see you later. Yeah, like they, they definitely didn't forever. master it, yeah. but they like, you know, they they a lot of people come because the money's great and they're interested in learning something new, but eventually right. they're like, oh, I miss I miss cooking, you know, mm-hmm. I don't wanna make sushi anymore. So well, one of the pluses of having a five outlet operation is that you then hopefully you can keep them, move them somewhere else if they're if they're good and and such as that. But that's that's interesting. How is is staffing the trucks difficult? Staffing the trucks isn't difficult because it's less people. You know, the trucks usually are one person one per truck, okay. one cook, and one front of the house person. That's it. Yeah. So, and we have you know the guys that have been doing it. They've been with us. One of the guys has been with us almost four years. Uh, you know, he like takes the winter off. I don't know what he does, but he's. Yeah. And then he always comes back. Like, are you are you nervous at the end of every season? You're oh, like, are yeah. you coming yeah. back? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, God. Well, people, you know, it's like a lot of work and long days. So by the end of the summer, people are freaking yeah. burnt out. They're just and like, are people doing. Is it made to order there, oh, or yeah. are you doing everything stuff? Everything's made. To, well, a lot of the stuff prepped at the market, right. at the brick and mortar. But you know, when we get to the cart, it's just put together, hand roll. You know, hand roll that all has to be made to order. You can't sandbag the hand rolls like you got to make them right away and we tell people to eat them right away because they get you know the, the seaweed, seaweed gets soggy yeah, yeah it gets yeah. soggy it's not the same we, we were there we and you guys were at feast and i remember we went to no we saw the, we went when there was like there's a concert during the summer like an outdoor concert yeah. and you guys had a one of your trucks was at the concert Thompson's area. point that's yeah. yes yeah. and that's where we had it nice and they were good i mean there were solid lines there was and a solid line yeah slinging. i don't know yeah. if it was the seasonal guy, but whoever was there was doing a good job. It was probably me. He's the fastest one. Yeah. It's insane. I, I was that. impressed by how fast how, it was. How, yeah. fast, how fast are you? Like, how quick? I could make a hand roll in 15 seconds. In 15 yeah. seconds? Yeah. And how, when it's, like, pumping during the summer, how many hand rolls are you cranking out of one truck? Oh, my God. I mean, at a concert. 15 seconds. We could do a concert of some of the larger events. We could do 800, 1,000 hand rolls. Wow. Yeah. And you said there's not a lot of people with sushi experience in Portland. No. Where did your experience come from? Uh, in Boston. Okay. Yeah. I was in Boston most of my career before we moved to Portland. And and Providence, Rhode Island before that. Right. Marissa, you said something about, you know, you, you guys pay really well, and that's why it's not as hard to get people to stay. Tell us a little bit. I know you have, like, one fair wage at Mr. Tuna and, you know, Tell us a little bit about that program and what it looks like for your other restaurants, too. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely take really good care of our staff. You know, they're the whole reason we're successful and still running, and it, it's all on them. So it's really important that we take good care of them. I mean, Mr. Tuna's the service style is a little bit different, so it's not like a full-on restaurant. Um, so they make a lot of tips, and they, they make really great tips. We pay a high hourly um you know, since they're not serving, it's not the low, lower wage that you would get. Yeah, um, they make fifteen bucks an hour, like to start as as starting as front of the yeah. house, and they get tips. You know, at Crispy Guy, it's not as high, but the tips are way better because it's you know it's counter. Yeah, service. yeah. it's not counter. Service yeah, it's not counter. Service. Um, but we also do this thing in the kitchen. In the well, in at Mister Tuna, the tips are all pooled amongst everybody. Front, front, back Chefs of the house. Everybody, everybody gets an even cut. And then a crispy guy, we have like a, a kitchen fee, or, you know, like a 4% that gets added onto the bill that goes directly to the kitchen staff. So that kind of helps, you know, with getting them a little more income. And, yeah. Why not make, why, I, I always like, I'm curious about why some people have different reasons why add it as an extra fee versus just making the food cost higher is it educating the consumer what's the what's the theory behind that mm, i think it's a mental thing i think people you know they look at like they look at the price of the food and they see like a, a value in that and then 
the four like the percentage like you sure they see it and they know it's there but like looking at the menu and seeing that like that higher number for the food might be something that I mean, they're a lot more likely to, like, complain about, like, a pricey menu than, like, paying a service fee that goes to the staff. Like, you can't complain about yeah. that. Right. You can't complain like, about, like, paying people more. Chicken sandwich has a certain price right. in someone's right. head and you can make it right. $24 yeah. and then it, like, it throws a wrench in the whole program. Exactly. Right. Even if the money is going to the kitchen. You right. know, they still, like, right. oh, well, where, you know, how, why is, your, why is your burger 25 bucks or why is your... Has anybody pushed you back know. on the four percent service charge? No, never. Never. And do most people still leave a twenty percent service charge for the like for the front of house too? I think it's between like fifteen and twenty is, is about average. Yeah, it's definitely pretty solid. What's the one fair wage? That's a is that like a main thing or this is yours and it's what is it? Mean exactly? Mean everybody gets paid the same amount of money? Yeah, it's national. It's not just in Maine, but you need to have like I think you need to pay at least fifteen bucks an hour to to tip to wait. Uh, tip workers yeah. and there's some other I think there's some other requirements but. yeah there's an organization that basically is, is it's called one fair wage you can look at it it's onefairwage.org right yeah. and they basically are trying to to bring up the standard for um, the minimum wage for tipped employees yeah. and regular hourly employees because what's a tipped employee make in what's their wage what's oh, their what minimum wage like 620 650 or 625 something like that which is like totally unlivable so the whole point is that it should be like at least 15 bucks an hour yeah across the board and so at some of the other the other business models aren't quite as supportive to this model right for like the other restaurants so how do you balance that well i mean the 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 tips are really good yeah i I don't think i think they're probably making more money at the end of the day yeah just because the you know the check averages are higher, and we well, saw it's a alcohol. full service bar, yeah, yeah. where Mister yeah. Tuna. It's just like beer, wine, sake, and that's only at the market. You know, the food trucks don't have alcohol. That definitely helps. Right what about check? What about bar fudo? What's the plan there? Hmm. What is the plan? We'll see. We're, we're still <laughs> figuring that out. We'll we'll get there. But yeah, get there. I mean, we'll always s- do our best. We are ho- offering like health insurance, so that's a new benefit we just added. Um, to we do the that whole portfolio, or yeah. just two. So, Mister Tuna and, um, and Barfudo. Are we adding it? No, guy? they have it. And then yeah, uh, like we give you know paid paid time off and sick like accrued days. accrued time off and sick days and you which know. is basically unheard of for most. Oh, we never businesses. got that. How many people are you looking at having to hire for Barfudo? I'd say like 20, 25, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And what? And you said that the trailers are two per. Two per. What's how many at Crispy Guy? Crispy Guy is about twenty. Oh, it is okay. Um, and like all Mister Tuna, all in with everybody. It's probably around twenty, twenty. I mean, there's a lot of like seasonal. 30, yeah. Like we got a lot of like college kids, high school kids that work take orders on the truck. You know, they're only around. June through the end August, of August. August, barely. Um, but, you know, they, they do a hell of a job. And, yeah, they're great. Um, Any thoughts now that you're, as you continue to grow, where you have to bring in somebody that does operations, HR, as a restaurant group now? Mm. now are those things that you've thought about? <laughs> oh, we've, man. we've started thinking about it. I mean, I've kind of been doing, like, the HRs. I just play whatever role I need Marissa to. Marissa does everything. She's um, like keeping the sales going yeah, I've been trying to we, we might need to hire someone pretty soon I mean our new manager at Fudo is going to be great she's doing a lot of the operational you know day-to-day stuff so that will be a huge help so I don't have to worry about that as much but yeah, yeah. and then we have Sasha crispy guy Sasha runs, yep, she, she crushes runs, it like, the front of the of crispy guy so I don't really have to worry about that as much but yeah Fudo like once like as we're growing we're realizing we need we just need more people and more infrastructure to make things happen and make them run smoothly yeah yeah it's growing pains yeah. right it's like it's good to grow good sometimes problems, good problems, problems to have um all right last thing before we go into our, our little take a little break and go into our 10 questions so i saw on instagram you guys had some drama on east eastern prom oh, and got God. involved in local politics mm-hmm. so yeah. tell us i and I've, I've been fascinated lately by the like intersection of of like small business and politics and I think it's just creeping into like our everyday so tell us about what happened and how you guys managed Oof, 
Yeah, this was a fun one. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've been up on the on the promenade, Eastern Prom, which is this, you know, beautiful stretch of, of road overlooking Casco Bay uh, in Portland. You know, there's this huge, huge, like, lawn area, tons of people hang out, there's playgrounds, there's tennis courts, basketball courts. And we started bringing the food truck there, you know, in May of 2020, like, in the peak or the beginning of the peak of the pandemic. And, yeah, it's been a, a great, great location for us. And we've, you know, built a lot of our business around that location. Uh, and there's, you know, been a lot of drama around that location. As it grew, it's become this, this huge thing where sometimes there's like 10 to 15 food trucks there on a week on the weekend. And uh, there's been some pushback from some of the residents that live on the promenade. They don't want the food trucks there. They're ruining their view. There's, you know, they're trying to blame the food trucks for all the, the trash problems of this of the promenade, which is not really the case. It's like we take our trash with us. It's people people come there from all over and they bring food from all over the city, uh, and then they're complaining about the like the generators and and all this nonsense. And you know, I mean, they're they're valid points, but the city has come up with a solution to fix all these problems. There's a pilot program uh, that was submitted there was, uh, to the city council, and there was a, three different options. One of them was keeping us where we are. The other one was moving us down to this parking lot, and uh, the city council voted for to keep us where we are. You know, uh, and we were like, okay, that's great, everything's great. A month later, the city manager just came in and overruled that vote basically said, okay, we're moving you guys to this lower lot and there's going to be a lottery if there's more than 10 food trucks that apply because it's a, it's a small lot and they couldn't, supposedly couldn't fit more than 10. So, uh, you know, we've been kind of dreading this lottery because we've been up there forever and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we, we might not be able to be here anymore. Location, yeah. And, you know, of course... We didn't get selected. You know, there's four It was just a random lottery, like, oh, totally like names in a hat. How many people a, applied? It was a pinwheel. It was this electronic... Like, literally an electronic pinwheel. pinwheel thing, and we were just, like, no. watching our face. This is people's businesses. Yeah. That's insane. How many trucks applied? 14 applied. They chose 10. And two of the trucks that didn't get chosen, one, one of them was us, and the other one was this truck called 80 Donuts. And they were, yeah, like, I the original... That food truck that parked First on the there. promenade. They right. parked up there. Did you have to be licensed to park on the promenade or was it just like your standard whatever food truck license yeah. operator yeah. in the city? You need a city license and then there's like X amount of spots in the city where food trucks can operate and that's one of them. And that was one of them. Yeah. And it wasn't really a popular one. You know, a couple of trucks did it but, you know. At the beginning, yeah. But yeah, as, as you know, restaurants were closing during the pandemic, really wasn't anywhere else to go. to go. Yeah. yeah, it became like the epicenter of Portland. And, you know, everyone was there. Like the whole city was hanging out on the promenade. We hung out at the promenade. That's we why we hung like, yeah, we hung out. Yeah, our corner, kids yeah. played at the park there. It's The views it's are stunning. Too, it's yeah, a public right? park. Yeah, exactly. gorgeous. Yeah, the views are insane. Yeah. Right. So, you know, this, you know, this city manager basically sided with a, a couple of the residents over they were all probably these... funding his campaign yeah Anyways. yeah <laughs> you don't well, need I don't need to get involved in it I'm heated well, for you uh, I mean she's not even elected official so like it's not even okay and she was the interim city manager she's not even the the city manager she just kind of was filling in making huge decisions like this that are affecting livelihoods of small businesses right and, and it's like a domino effect. Everybody's affected by it. Like all the people that work for us, all the people we buy fish from, all the people we buy vegetables from, right. everything. Yeah, affected. your whole livelihood just got changed because some person decided on a whim based yeah. on a couple of complaints. So yeah. where is it now? Yeah. So, you know, this the, the second that we found out we weren't selected, we're like, what the heck are we going to do now? How do we, you know, how do we change this? How do we figure this out? And... Um, Happened. I think, well, it, it became like a really hot topic in the news. In the Portland news? Yeah. Did you guys have like camera crews like coming down? I think you should park it in front of this lady's oh, yeah. house. <laughs> and then start it there. I don't even know if she was as many Portland. people as you can in front of her house. Oh, I should. Well, we, we did that. We, we parked <laughs> the trucks in front of City Hall and we did like a little, yeah. little protest. 
but that was, I mean, that was after first, they were like, okay, uh, you know, well, we this... posted on social media. Oh, that's, that's what we did. We made a post and we were like, you know, basically explaining the lottery and how it wasn't fair and it all, the decision somehow just falls on one person. I don't really understand how one person can be in charge of that big of a, a decision. But we've kind of rallied the troops via Instagram and yeah. the power of social media. Sometimes yeah. it's used yeah. for good. Oh, it definitely works. So they, you know, we were basically like email, email the city manager, mm-hmm. phone call. And people know. called them? Oh my God. They, I think they probably got over a thousand emails. They shut the phone off. They shut the phones off. Hell yeah, guys! That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we had so much support. It was it was amazing. Like I was blown away. I was shocked. Yeah, really blown it was away. really awesome and to see like the community come together for us, for sure. And local news like coverage covered you guys. Yep. And, oh, yeah, yeah. The Press Herald, you know, they interviewed a bunch of us. The, like the news was all there every day, and then, you know, we the the city like basically made a statement that they're looking into it. Then they sent an email to the four trucks that didn't get selected and they wanted to call a little like zoom meeting and so they called this zoom meeting and you know they were basically like uh you know we got this other location that we think would be great for you guys you know but it's crap <laughs> and you can take this other location yeah, and shove it basically, basically yeah. i'm just like thanks but no thanks and this isn't over so that uh you know and then the way the conversation ended was like they oh we're gonna we're gonna look and see if we can fit more food trucks and I had to like bring meanwhile it up. they need your tax revenue probably yeah it's I mean it's a decent amount of money that they're getting and yeah you know they said okay well we're gonna measure we'll remeasure and see if we can fit some more trucks down there but we weren't really like holding our breath so it, like while that was going on I'm like okay we're gonna organize this this protest and we like called all the trucks and we're like hey are you guys support us even like ones that got selected or had nothing to do with the promenade don't care and we just parked all the food trucks on city hall like right <laughs> right on the you know right on the bottom were you of the serving stairs. food while this was happening you know yeah. we talked about it we were like, <laughs> like, ah, i was like this you know that might take away from what, what we're trying it's to hard accomplish being hospitality here. people like yeah. wanting to feed yeah. people at the same time actually there was the donut truck was yeah, handed they out, out, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> we're handing out donuts to people we we're trying Never to make a thing out of it. For a donut. Yeah. yeah but you know that so, and while we're doing, like, you look up in the window and the city manager's up there, like, staring down at us. I don't know if she was up there, but show. there were, like, she was people gathered in the window. Little, like, she shitty, she we waved, and they all hid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? they hid? I didn't, yeah, they were Come up on, there, and we were, like, waving head, like, to yeah, them, and then they all, they, like, they disappeared. behind the, like, out of view of yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then, like, I think it was, like, an hour or two later, they're, like, we're gonna we're gonna fit all the fourteen trucks. It's like, what do you know? They can all fit. Yeah, like now we that like, we actually we measured, the and then we can actually fit everyone. And and they thought like, you know, okay, that's it. So you need to accomplish change. That's, accomplish change. That's pretty fantastic. Is this your first and last foray into uh, local politics? I don't know. I mean, we'll get more see. I mean, yes. they keep messing with me. Maybe not. But. <laughs> City council manager. Here you go. <laughs> Cool. So we're gonna we're gonna do a slightly different um, pattern here today. For our we usually do like a lightning round at the end of our podcast, but we're gonna um, cut it off here for our broadcast on uh, HRN, um, and we're gonna take it over to YouTube. Um, so we can ask you ten questions at the same time. We're going to task you with cooking a dish in ten minutes. From the cool. new menu, so you guys will from get the a new sneak menu. peek. Is happy for the new menu? So can he so like cook and I talk? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can do it however you want. Right. Both cook. You Ian's going to cook. Yeah, I don't know. Marissa can talk, you all can talk. Yeah. Can talk. A lot of hands. yeah. <laughs> Before we leave so that our HRN <laughs> listeners gather our information, how do we find you guys on social, online? Barfudo, tell us what, what they need to hear to find you. Yeah, so the Instagram handle for Barfudo is bar underscore fudo. So F-U-T-O. Mr. Tuna is Mr. Dot Tuna underscore Maine. Um, yeah. Crispy guy. Crispy guy is just crispy guy. Guy G-A-I. Tied their chicken. Cool. Yeah. And we're at, we are opening soon and at Tilla NYC. Um, and you'll find the video on YouTube slash Tilla. Yeah. Cool. There we go. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I'm Louisa Kasdan, host of Let's Talk About Food. I recently hosted an exciting live podcast event in Boston, 
and interviewed incredible women entrepreneurs who have received small business coaching from the Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream program. When I was applying to law school and I got in, I said, you know what, I'm still young, let me pivot and go into the food industry and really follow my passion. I was kind of scared. It was a new thing to me. It was like, hey, I don't want me in the newspaper. I just want to be in my room, in my house. (laughs) So that was when I'm like, okay, now that I'm in the local newspaper, I better not disappoint the people that, you know, that have this belief in me. And on the days that you're tired or you feel defeated, just keep going. And 10 people might tell you no, but that doesn't mean that's your end result. You just have to keep going. Hear their stories on Let's Talk About Food, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream for supporting this episode. Welcome to Order Fire from Opening Soon. We're going to do 10 questions in 10 minutes, or try to do it in 10 minutes, we'll see, um, with this awesome chef team from Bar Fuji, who's opening soon in Portland, Maine. And we're excited to be joined here today with Marissa Lewicki, who is the Director of Operations across the restaurant group. We have Chef Jordan and Ian, who is the CDC at Bar Fuji, who's also, like I said, opening soon in Portland, Maine. All right, what are we cooking today, Ian? Uh, twice fried eggplant with a uh, spicy miso glaze on top of it. Ooh, sounds yeah. good. All we're right. Gonna step up. We're going to st- start the clock. Start the clock. And uh, let okay. you do it. All right. How quickly can you do this? Can you do it in Ooh, 10 minutes? I hope so. All right. So we're going to pepper you guys with questions sure. from the sidelines. What is your favorite menu item at Mr. Chinas's Bar Food is not open? Oh, I don't mind. Go ahead. You eat it every day. Mine's a tuna de tigre, so it is a pokey. So we use um, yellowfin tuna. We, it's like a coconut Thai chili sauce, crispy shallots, cilantro, onions, all the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, ooh, I think my favorite is the subarashi toro don, which is like a bowl of rice topped with Slices of otoro, slices of lean tuna, there's some chutoro tartare with a little quail egg in t- inside, and it gets uni and uh, salmon roe. Pretty baller. Sounds good. Yeah. Ian, what's your favorite? Um, I really like nigiri, and we do nigiri at the market, so like I really like just the traditional uh, tuna zuke nigiri. That's what I'll say. What's the most ordered menu item? The Mr. Tuna. The Mr. Tuna yeah, roll, the Mr. Tuna signature maki, sushi roll. Tuna avocado with uh, broiled spicy scallops and crab on top. It's tobiko, eel sauce, tempura flakes, scallions. It's yeah. like a, Is it the roll that started it all? Uh, it didn't start it all. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't on the menu because we, like, we can't make that on the cart. On the hot dog cart, it would have been a bitch. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, as soon as we opened the market, it was definitely the most popular thing. So. Are you guys, is the menu done already for the new spot? Ian, where is it? Uh, it's pretty close. Uh, I feel comfortable with it. It's like also since we're like pushing back open for all those reasons we stated earlier, um, like trying to be like super hyper seasonal and figuring that out as well. Yeah, because like we have like a menu that we're like, okay, we're opening you know, Memorial Day weekend and it's like, oh shit, none of those vegetables are the same vegetables that we're getting right. now. So yeah, we're, we're kind of I am using uh, some dried arboled chilies really quickly and I'm going to finally slice some garlic and then I'm going to take this really hot oil and pour it over to lightly cook it and get some of that aroma out and take the rawness out of the garlic and then I'm going to mix in some white miso, mirin, yuzu juice to make the glaze and then I'm going to twice fry the eggplant. And the eggplant's already in the oil? Uh, not yet. There's too many questions. You're okay, sorry. Okay, what's your best food cost item? And you could throw in a crispy guy too if there's something there that's uh, I'd say it's probably the salmon skin hand roll. Just talking about that. Uh, just because it's, you know, it's a byproduct. It's, it's freaking delicious, but it's, you know, we, we use the salmon, so pretty much everything that's 
Are you able to buy other people's salmon skin, or it's only your? It's only ours. Your we go to a ton, ton of salmon. So is that even a thing you could buy if you needed to? I don't think you could buy salmon skin. <laughs> uh, nah, nah. I mean, we just we whatever we have for salmon skin, that's what we put out on the carts, and when it's gone, it's gone. So that one and probably the sweet potato. All right, back to the list. Something you're doing to make your business more sustainable. Uh, I think taking care of our staff is a big, big thing. You know, trying to invest in our staff and you know having people that are not only we're invested in, but they're invested in the company and they want to be here for a long time and they want to grow with the company. I think that's that's probably the yeah. biggest thing right now. It's important. You don't have a business without your employees, right? That's right. How do you plan to hire and retain great employees? Kind of same, same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Benefits, health insurance, yeah. we added, you know. You know keeping things interesting. Well. Like Sick doing, way. I think doing a lot of like the collabs and the pop-ups that we do is, is a big part of that. Like, at, you know, yeah, it's a lot of fun. fun things. We do a lot of like a lot of events in, in other cities and we do, you know, even just like with the food truck, the concerts and stuff, those are all fun. You can watch the show after. So like, things like that. Yeah. Ian, how long, how long have you been with you? Ian, how long have you been with the company? Well, this is three years straight, and when he first opened, I helped him out a lot on the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grimace, do you want to explain Grimace? Uh, well, like, I mean, he was, like, the prep guy. Me and him prepped everything together. Um, I think it's, it's far enough into the business we could say we did that at my house. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, okay. No, all their businesses start. Yeah. We literally had our business in our apartment for two years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she didn't really enjoy it. Well, I'd wake up to a bunch of guys in my kitchen, you know, <laughs> cutting fish up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> six, six in the morning, rice cookers. And fish Did they at least make you like a nice Japanese burger? <laughs> they didn't even have no, time. Come on. No. Yeah. No. No. What's been your worst? What's been your worst building or developing moment so far? For a future. Oh, oh my God. Uh, well. Is that a no man? There's been a lot. Yeah. There's been kind a lot. of. I mean, we had to switch contractors in the beginning. That was kind of. For Barfuto? Yeah, for Barfuto. Um, that was a big one. And then, you know, just the, the whole hood duck working thing. And. We talked about this earlier in the episode. If you're uh, able to listen on Heritage Radio Network, essentially, the former restaurant uh, occupant. And the landlord, the building, I guess, took out their venting to make modifications to the building, left the hoods, but then left you with 100 yards of venting to put back in right. the space. And, and no, As a surprise. And no makeup air and no fans. And yeah. So we had to pretty much do all that. That's a pretty big unforeseen expense. And not a fun one either. No, no. I mean, we spend uh, however much on deck work. Money there, <laughs> it's not in the budget. So. Right. Gotta come from somewhere. What's happening in this bowl again? I just added the yuzu juice, the mirin, the shiro miso, and the garlic and oil. I'm just mixing it up. Mm-hmm. Right, we've got about four minutes left. So I'm gonna give you the next. We've got three questions, so we're doing well. Sweet. Uh, most influential role model within or outside the hospitality industry? Oh, wow. It can be anybody. It could be a mom, it could be a famous chef, or whatever. Oh, wow. And it can be for any of you guys. That's a Um, You know, I met a chef uh, last summer, Ashley Christensen, Christensen, and she's been a she's been a huge role model for me, and uh, definitely a, a huge resource. She's taken like a, taken us and brought us to certain events, and invited us down to uh, some fundraisers that she does, and just introduced us to a lot of people and. We really love her. I really look up to her. Yeah. Anybody else want to add? Ian? Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of really good mentors over the time. Pretty much anyone that ever just takes a chance on like a young cook. Take a chance on a young cook. All right, what's been the best business resource or advice you've received? That's tough. Well, you know, this guy that uh, that I used to kind of work with, he used to say, uh, like, 
count the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves or watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Huh. So, you know, like, not always, you know, kind of looking at the big picture yeah. instead of just looking at what's right in front of you. Like, yeah. You could... That's a shitty answer. Uh, no, that's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. count the small stuff because it all adds up. I like it. I like it. I like you got it. anything better than that? No, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, last question. One thing you tell a young chef about the path to ownership? Uh, be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. And stick with it. There's going to be ups and downs. And you just got to push through the, the hard times because you know eventually hopefully things will, will go well and you, you know you're not gonna get there without a lot of punch and a lot of hard work and a lot of you know, bumps in the road. You guys bootstrapped it all the way up, I'm really impressed. Yeah. Yeah if you listen to the episode um, you'll hear about how these guys took essentially five brands and a hot dog cart and have turned it into five restaurants and 60-ish employees. Yeah, pretty, pretty, impressive. pretty impressive. And to keep it all under under their own finances and ownership is pretty, pretty awesome. And Ian is working hard over here with two minutes left on the clock. Oh, we're good. You're crushing it. Tell us whenever we're at Ian. What's, what's going on over there? So I've twice fried the eggplant just to get it like cooked through and crunchy. And then I just... Toss it up. Now, is this something that's on, going to be on the opening? It definitely will be on the opening. Mm. Yeah. Available. It's one of my favorite things. It actually will be. It'll be. Have you guys been tasting and testing? Yeah, yeah right? Wow. Yeah, we've done yeah. a couple. Like, we were doing these things before we had the name and the concept like dialed in. We were calling Izakaya Nights at Mr. Tuna. And we were testing a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we thought about using. We did a pop-up the Butcher B in Charleston, yeah. and then we uh, we're starting to do some uh, some some uh, preview nights at uh, Oxbow Brewing in Portland. So we'll be doing some like uh, like real nights, skewer nights at, at, at uh, Oxbow. So yeah, whenever we can, like just try to taste as much and dial in what we, what we want to do. All right, that's our 10 minutes. Y'all did great. Uh, you guys crushed it. You crushed it. Good job. Good job, Ian. You don't look sweaty at all, though. Right. still got it. Where's, where can we follow all the news for Bar Fudo? Oh, uh, well, on the Instagram. Probably Instagram, yeah. Bar underscore Fudo, F-U-T-O. Um, the website will be www.eatfudo.com. Yeah. Yeah. This was not in the podcast or yet in the video, so I'll give you one more question. Where does Bar Fudo, the name, come from? Oh, so Fudo in Japanese means, like, fat or big. And, grand. Uh, grand. And this is, like, our grandest, biggest thing we ever did. It's, like, twice the size of any space we ever had. It's, like, you know, twice, at least twice the money we ever spent on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. like, this is, our, this is our big shot. So. Go big or go home. That's right. We love it. Congrats, guys. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.